Fanboy with Harley Morenstein is a CastBox original produced in partnership with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to Fanboy with Harley Morenstein wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. I think it's the best. Well, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode one of the Fanboy Podcast with Harley Morenstein. Games, anime, movies, comics, wrestling, basically all the geekiest, nerdiest stuff that I love and have always loved and is now embraced by everyone pretty much. I get to just talk about it. God, I always have so many things to say. For this first episode, I wanted to give you guys some background about myself outside of the food space because I know people know me from Epic Mealtime for the most part. Um, I've had a, a YouTube channel cooking show with 7 million subscribers for the past eight years. But way before that, I did a gaming show that was a failure. And I did another gaming show that was a failure. And I've always liked gaming. And I worked in a video game store. And when I was at Toys R Us, you know, I was <clears throat> dying to get that upgrade to the R zone. Uh, I mean, I got, you know, over 150,000 gamer score on my Xbox. PC, Nintendo, you know, I, I just, you know, I watch Bleach. There's just a lot about me that people don't know. And I guess this episode is kind of like my credentials, uh, kind of like a, a, a beacon point to go back to and be like, hey, what does Harley know about this stuff anyways? So I'll try and do my best to encapsulate who I am in this space. I mean, people know I love Star Wars because I've, I've blasted it on Epic Mealtime and on my channel and stuff like that. But I thought, let's go in a little in-depth on me, my my dark side, the side uh, that is uh, the the side that you would get slapped for having in the early '90s in high school if you if you demonstrated love for any of this type of thing. I'm telling you, I was in high school in the '90s and the early 2000s. But in the '90s, if you spoke about like Japanese anime, like you were getting slapped up because the rappers back then were talking about you know getting blowjobs, not about watching anime. Well, um, anyways, let's let's. Let's just jump right into it. Shout out Philly D. I was a high school teacher and in about, uh, in the year 2010, I started an Epic Mealtime, a YouTube cooking show. Uh, but way before that, I was a, I was a big old gaming boy. Um, I could take it back from the, the very beginning. The first game I ever played was Adventure Island on Nintendo. Uh, my first console that belonged to me was a uh, Sega Genesis. And I've had quite the adventure in gaming over the years. Um, I decided to get into podcasting because, you know, it's, there's so many opinions out there. And, you know, I have so many people that, that are in my circle, my audience, and, uh, you know, the people that I connect with when I'm streaming or uploading. And I know a lot of them want to hear more of my opinion. And, uh, and I would love to get dialogues going, you know, and, this podcast was just one method of me being able to connect with my audience on certain things even deeper. So what do I know about games, movies, comics, and anime? Well, uh, my favorite movie is Terminator 2. It's the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Uh, the animes I loved and watched were Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, Initial D, uh, Death Note, um, My Hero Academia, One Punch Man, uh, you know, and all the movies like Ninja Scroll and 
all those classic movies, uh, Akira. These are these are things that I enjoyed. And anime is more mainstream than ever. It's like all the it's like all the nerdiest things we've ever cared about growing up. By we, I mean you know me and you listening to this podcast. Um, the nerdiest things that we ever cared about growing up are popular now and mainstream it's like you have rappers like rapping about anime it's just it's i don't know it's like a weird place i'm I'm happy because the world could have gone in a very different place but instead it's gone to this place where i'm i'm glad that uh everyone's a bunch of freaking nerds i'm happy about that um i don't want to do this podcast because i want to i want to i want to go in deep with things as much as I like stuff as much as I like enjoying a hobby or whatever it's once I get in deep to it that it's really interesting I mean Star Wars is fun on the surface, but when you really start getting into the rule of two and all the ins and outs of being a a sith or a jedi it it gets even more interesting or gaming it's one thing to pick up a controller and play and enjoy gaming, but it's another thing to want to dive into you know the mind of a developer in in today's culture and what it means to make a game today or how much it costs or the risk, you know, AAA or indie. Um, And I want to use this podcast because I want to go in deeper with everyone. And why should you listen to this podcast? I mean, ultimately, you should follow your heart and your heart will lead you to me. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think it's, uh, I think you should listen to this podcast because I think if there's one thing I've been good at, it's being a gatekeeper. For certain things. And I don't mean gatekeeper in in the bad sense that it's like, well, that's not a grilled cheese sandwich. That's a melt. I meant like a gatekeeper like, uh, you know, the river sticks in hell and there's that like the Grim Reaper, whoever takes you across the river sticks on that boat into hell. I feel like I am that boat and that Grim Reaper that can take you in across the river sticks into whatever realm it may be. So let's say you're into anime, but you don't like games. I can get you into games. If you are into gaming but you don't like wrestling, I can get you into wrestling. I mean, if one thing I've I've noticed about Epic Mealtime looking back is that over the years, Epic Mealtime has, it, it, it got people into cooking. People that were not into cooking got into cooking. So I, I think I can make a good, like, you know, a good Sherpa. And uh, I think that's why uh, you should listen to this podcast. Because on episodes where we dive into things that you may you might like or you might be interested in, I my goal would be to take you deeper and further and and to go beyond, way beyond. You know, like you, you want to talk Game of Thrones, like let's go way beyond in there. Because when I think about things, I get a little obsessive, and I focus on it a lot. And that's why the the podcast name is called Fanboy. Because ultimately, like I get caught up in the hype. I love the hype. And, you know, one of my greatest strengths and weaknesses is how much I get caught up in the hype. So when a game is coming out, like, ah, Lord, forgive me, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, I am that guy that is lining up at midnight. I'm there at midnight. I want the game. I know everyone has it out for EA these days. They're like, God damn, Battlefront 2. EA loot boxes. Screw it to hell. Damn it all to hell. I'm I'm still that guy that is like, yeah, damn that to hell. But when Battlefront 3 comes out, like, I'm there at midnight and I'm I'm gonna buy it. 
You know, I don't pre-order games anymore, though. I know that's a big thing. There's a big movement on not pre-ordering games. I don't pre-order games because you can just download them. There's no, there's actually no point in pre-ordering games. It's like a whole episode in itself. Um, but I, I am that hype beast about stuff. Like I love getting caught up in the hype train. I love going to Star Wars movies at midnight. I like going to. You know, I like, if I like the franchise, if I like the game, I'll, I'll, I'll invest time and I'll invest money into it. Now it's different because now I'm, you know, I have a, a better job than I've ever had before. But back in the day, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit this. And I remember like a friend of mine cussing me out, but I loved Elder Scrolls Oblivion. I mean, that game practically taught me how to play an RPG. Well, that in Fable. Because I never gave RPGs a chance before these games. And when Fable came around, I was like, oh, this is how this game is. And then I played Oblivion and I was like, oh, this is for the big boys. But I bought the horse armor for Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Now, for those that don't know, the horse armor is... It was the first time DLC ever came out on a console in, in my memory that I can think of. And it was for Oblivion. And all it was was horse armor. So it was armor on your horse. So when you get on your horse, it'll have uh, a hat. No, not a hat. I'm just kidding. It'll have like uh, like uh, armor. Like, you know, it's on its legs and it's on its back and a saddle. Because normally the, you just get on a bareback horse. <laughs> bareback. Uh, you get on the horse bareback. <laughs> bareback. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um but for 400 Microsoft points, which ultimately the cost was like $5.99 Canadian, six bucks, you got this horse armor. So for $6, you got an aesthetic piece that literally didn't do a single damn thing except when you got on your horse, you were like, hey, what up? And I bought that. And I bought it and I knew it was a ripoff, but I was still kind of happy to get on the horse and have that armor. The interesting thing is, though, I was happy to have it because the horse should have had the armor to begin with. But it didn't. But I was still happy to, I was happy to experience it and have it be there. And I was happy to brush the $5, $6 cost under the rug. So... I'm that much of the hype beast that like, you know, when everyone's like, oh my God, horse armor, burn it, burn it. I'm like, yeah, burn it to the ground. Yo, dog, you want to hook up some of that horse armor for your boy, premium $6 cost. And this is, this is before I was a teacher. I was a student. I didn't even have a job then. So it was, uh, I'm basically trying to illustrate it was a very stupid purchase, but I got caught up. I liked it. I was about it. And I, uh, I, what I'm saying is I am single-handedly responsible for, for, for loot boxes. Now that we're in this dystopian future of video games where people hate loot boxes, I am that guy where I'm like, hey, my bad. I did it. It's me. Where do I see this podcast in a year from now? I mean, I just see in a year from now, I got, you know, I have a Discord. Uh, my Discord link, it's probably on wherever you downloaded this somewhere. I'll put it. It's on my Twitter. Um, I, I just want to have that circle grow. My people grow. I want to communicate with you guys. I want to talk about these things. Uh, I think I have a really smart audience. I think a lot of the audience that watches my vlogs or Epic Meal Time, I think a lot of them are smart. I know we're not like 
the bumbling 11-year-old Jake Paul watching idiots. I know that. I know some of us, you know, play Fortnite. I'm sure some of us have popped Xanax to enjoy ourselves or something. But I know ultimately we're not those little idiots. And I like my fan base. I respect my fan base. And I know that you guys have great opinions and great uh, perspectives. And I want to connect with you people. And that's what's what I see in a year from now is us just connecting on more things. Having that circle, that uh, that deeper circle. You know, I've had it with my vlog and stuff like that. But I want to have it more specifically for, you know, this nerdy stuff that we can all connect on if you're into it. This podcast, every week, baby, it's going to be here. I plan on connecting with you guys every single week. I think my favorite game series will have to be, uh, let's give a top five. <laughs> and it's probably an episode in itself. Halo, Metal Gear Solid, Resident Evil, Splinter Cell. Uh, can I say Tom Clancy and have it count as a whole series? I love Ghost Recon. I love Rainbow Six. It's Halo. I hold Halo close to my heart, though, because Halo's interesting. Halo Combat Evolved was, I'll never forget it. I I got a Sega Genesis for Hanukkah in the third grade. And even though I loved my Sega Genesis, I, I traded with my cousin and borrowed a Super Nintendo a lot. And my mom was like, why do you always play that Super Nintendo? You asked for a Sega Genesis. Now, I didn't actually ask for a Sega Genesis. My brother asked for the Sega Genesis because the sports games, one were to believe, were better on Sega Genesis back in the day. Why? Well, I think the number one reason why sports games were better on Sega Genesis back in the day was one particular reason. And it was the moment I got my Sega Genesis. And it was the moment I first turned it on. Do you remember what the Sega Genesis does when you first turn it on? It was the most mind-blowing experience. And I know it sounds so funny now, but in 1993, or to people that experienced it even earlier, it was an incredible experience. You took that Sega Genesis, you turned it on, and the first thing that happens, it says Sega. And just being like, it talks it talks oh my god it talks because nintendo never spoke and even super nintendo i'm sure it maybe had one or two lines that could be said but it didn't talk this said sega like my video game spoke to me and if you want to talk about the leaps and bounds that video games make and why some people might look at one generation to the next and be like well that ain't nothing and that's because the leap from like Nintendo to Sega Genesis and then to Super Nintendo was that it spoke. It went from not talking beeps and boops to saying Sega. And so video games like sports games were interesting because you actually had game commentary almost the entire game. Even though he said like, boom, he's on his back 15 times in a game. He was still saying, boom, he's on his back in that Madden game. But when the sports vibes faded and I went to the video game store to rent a game like a blockbuster, there was one section of Sega Genesis games, and then there was just countless walls of Super Nintendo games. Like, there was 20 times more Super Nintendo games than Sega Genesis games, and all I was thinking was, 
I I need to play more games. I, how many? I can't just keep sitting here waiting for Vector Man to come out. I gotta play. I gotta play games like Uniracers and Super Punch Out and Contra Hard Corps is bad, but I want to play Con- Super Contra and and all this all this stuff. Like there were so many games: Double Dragon, Battle Toads, Battle Toads, and Double Dragons. Um, you know, once you got past the fact that you could put the blood code in. Sega Genesis Mortal Kombat. There really wasn't much else beyond. I mean, the Super Nintendo just had so much selection. So I had to take part in that. I wanted to be part of that. So I used to always trade my my Sega Genesis for a Super Nintendo with my buddies. And back then I was like, you know what? I am never not going to get a Nintendo system again. I will get the Nintendo system forever. And... Uh, I committed to Nintendo, and then sure enough, uh, N64 came out, and I played so much James Bond. I played so much WCW versus NWO at my buddy's house. Like, I played so much N64. I loved it, and I was dead set. I was like, I'm going to get an N64, but the thing is, by the way, I didn't get these systems when they first came out. I wasn't, uh, I didn't come from a rich family where we could do that. I came from one where it was like uh, my bar mitzvah was coming up. I would be turning 13 years old and the Jewish religion becoming a man. And so you can get, uh, you know, you throw a party with like 400 people basically. And, you know, it ain't no thing for 20 people to each throw in 20 bucks and come out with uh, a a Nintendo 64. And uh, what happened was my brother, who was responsible for the Sega Genesis purchase, did just that. He orchestrated his friends and they bought a PlayStation for me. But like I told you guys, I was Team Nintendo already. It was all about Nintendo. So I uh, got an N64 from my aunt with NFL Blitz and Goldeneye. And all, all winter break long for two weeks straight with my cousins over, we played the shit out of that Nintendo 64. Played so much Blitz, so much Goldeneye, like beat the game, like went in like nonstop, just so much. I loved it. And then I went to the store to rent an N64 game and there wasn't any. It was like there was no games. It's like the situation I had with my Sega Genesis was now occurring for my Nintendo 64. I mean, there was this game Winback that looked awesome that was literally never in. It was always rented out. Um, and other than that, there was just no game I wanted to play. I didn't get it. Like, you know, I would go and I would try Doom 64 and stuff like that, and they were terrible. There was no good games other than the ones I've already played, which was like six games. So I went back home and decided I would crack open this PlayStation and plug it in. Wasn't really big into sports anymore, though, and the PlayStation was the superior sports system. And I didn't care about that once again, you know. I wasn't so into sports games. But I still cracked that bad boy open, and there was a demo disc inside. Demo disc had, like, Gran Turismo and this uh, game Metal Gear Solid. And I wasn't that good at video games back then. I hadn't beat many games. And I remember looking at this, uh, the back of this 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 demo disc and it's saying tactical stealth espionage action or something and i was just like that sounds hard 
bro. That just sounds hard. Anyways, I decided I would boot up this game, Metal Gear Solid. It doesn't even... Sounds like a broken sentence. I booted it up. And it... Once again, the, the, the N64 could not do what the PlayStation could do in terms of capabilities, like in terms of how the Sega Genesis could talk and the Super Nintendo couldn't quite talk. The PlayStation can just... It could have like... It, it could do music. It could do music and sound that like the, the N64 could not. This was off a CD. And I put it on and that Konami sound comes out. And... I'm like, whoa. And the beginning of, of, of Metal Gear Solid starts and it's just like, it's like you got these, this cutscene, they're on like a nuclear sub and the main guy, his name is Snake. You're like, what, Snake already? The guy's name's Snake. He's in a one mad pod. The one man pod is gonna go underground and it's gonna land under the water and it's gonna enter the base from below. And I'm like, yo, this is the rock. This is like Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage, like, and back then in the early, in the, in the 90s, like, the closer a game mimicked an awesome scene from a movie, you weren't like, oh my God, you just, you totally took that from the movie. You were like, yo, that's awesome. This is just like the movie, you know, shout out to Medal of Honor Frontline. But this Metal Gear experience of, 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 you know, this cutscene, and you go in underwater and then you come out. Like, was just it was just so crazy for a game to start that like 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 a movie for a game to be a movie. I've never experienced a game be like a movie. They were their own things. Maybe they were trying to be like a cute cartoon or something else. But this was the most like cinematic experience I've ever had in gaming. And I remember uh, coming out of that water and going to uh, to these these bad guys. There's three bad guys walking around, and Metal Gear was all about stealth. And I'm like punch, punch, punch. Punch, 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 punch. And I keep knocking these guys out and they keep getting back up and they keep shooting me and they keep killing me and I just don't get it. And there's no instructions and I don't know what's happening. And if you press square, you could throw a guy. So I press square and I would throw him on his back and I'd throw him on his back and it wasn't doing anything. It just kept getting back up until one time I pressed square, square and the guy went, ur, ur. and I was like, what? So I grabbed him again and I pressed square, 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 square and he went, ur, 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 ur. and his neck broke. Now, once again, I know this sounds like, I know this sounds like, okay. In 1998, you didn't snap necks in games. Like the concept of snapping a neck just did not occur. This like a stealth kill. This was my first stealth kill. This did not exist in gaming. Now, like every good game has like the ability of like a stealth mechanic. But this game, like I just broke this guy's neck like it was a movie, like silence and violence, like creeping up behind the dude, crack broke his neck. That was incredible to me. That was like, that was so sick. I was like, yo, it's a movie. This is a movie. And then you gotta hide the body. Hide the body? Break the guy's neck? Hide the body? Like, what is going on? Before this, the craziest leap I had in gaming was in GoldenEye. The fact that you could take a sniper rifle. Once again, kids, today you're spoiled. In 1997... The idea of like a sniper rifle scope in a video game was like outlandish unless you were playing PC games, but I'm trying to keep a console now and I'll get into my PC life maybe next time. But my console experience, you did not snipe people in the face. Goldeneye, 
zooming in with the scope and sniping someone in the face was crazy. Metal Gear, you got to do that later, but also the fact that you could break necks and hide bodies, outlandishly cool to me. Outlandishly cool. I was obsessed. I was like, I need this game. I need this game. I need this game. I went and I bought that game. It was came out on two discs. I'll get into my experience with that game in depth on a future one because I could say so much about why Metal Gear is beautiful and it deserves its own episode of the podcast. But I'm still trying to illustrate myself as a gamer. So I, I loved my PlayStation. I used my PlayStation so much. I unfortunately was a pirate back in the day and I had a mod chip for my PlayStation. I had every game and then I was like, I'm getting a PlayStation no matter what. I'm not a Nintendo guy. I'm a PlayStation guy. Now, this entire time, by the way, I've been playing PC on my dad's computer, but I did run at 10 frames per second. Um, I always loved Doom. I loved Quake. I, I, I loved Quake 2. Quake 3 was incredible. My computer couldn't run it. And all this was happening in the background, but it was never truly gaming. I, back then, I liked consoles because... I had a bad computer and it was a terrible feeling to go and try and compete with people online, which I loved, but to do it at 10 frames per second, it was just miserable. Like I never, I never got to be a PC gamer. I just loved games, I loved PC games, but I never really got to get lost in it. And first person shooters were my favorite. I loved them. And even though GoldenEye was cool, I never, I didn't, I thought Counter-Strike was cooler than GoldenEye, you know? I thought playing uh, multiplayer Quake 3 Arena with 32 people was cooler than GoldenEye, you know? GoldenEye was great, but just for the split screen play, it didn't, it didn't have what I really liked about PC gaming. But regardless, I needed to get a PlayStation 2 because I was a PlayStation guy now, and Metal Gear Solid 2 was coming out, and I needed that more than anything. More than anything. But my mom said to me, she said, she paid attention, she was like, you said you wanted a Sega Genesis, and then you ended up playing the Super Nintendo. And then you got the N64, but you ended up playing the PlayStation. Now you want to get a PlayStation? You have to try the other ones first. So my mom uh, made me rent these things over the span of like a year. For one year, I had to, I had to rent the PlayStation 2, you know, make sure I like it. She wanted me to rent a GameCube. I didn't need to rent it. I knew I didn't want a GameCube. But, you know, she told me to rent it. I did. I started reading about the Microsoft Xbox. And it just seemed so much more powerful. And I was like, well, here I am again. I mean, the 64 I thought was going to be better than the PlayStation. But I was wrong about that. I thought the Sega Genesis was faster than the Super Nintendo. But I was wrong about that. But now Microsoft is making a console. And, like, it's like computers. I don't like computers. My experience with computers is... It's expensive and it's, it's not fair and it doesn't run like the same for everyone and it's not going to be good. So what am I supposed to do? I guess I got to try it. And it's funny because a lot of you guys know I'm friends with Amir, right? Amir, Chef Atari, the chef on Epic Mealtime. Well, the way I met him was we were in class together and I heard him talking about PlayStation. And I walked over. I was like, well, this guy's a loony bin, and he looks like he plays games all his life. I'm going to ask him his opinion on it here. So I went up, and I was like, yo, what do you think about uh, Xbox? Because he was talking about PlayStation. I wasn't expecting the opinion he had. No joke. His opinion right off the bat, he was like, Xbox? <laughs> the only game Xbox has is Halo. 
Beyond that, they have nothing else. When that system launches, there's going to be nothing to play. And I was like, damn, I've had that problem before. I should rent this system. Uh, and I'm going to go rent it and I'm going to rent Tony Hawk 2X because I love Tony Hawk 2. And in Tony Hawk 2X on Xbox, you get to play two players. And on, on, on PlayStation 2, when you play two players, levels like the school were cut in half. You didn't get the whole school. But on Xbox, because of the memory and all that, you'll be able to play in the whole school. So I was like, awesome. It's... Uh, Tony Hawk 2X, I invited over my buddy, Matt, and, uh, you know, I rented Tony Hawk 2X, and, you know, when you rent the system, you can rent two games, and I was like, uh, what other games should I rent here, and I'm looking at all these games that are out on Xbox as a launch game, and I was like, there's nothing, oh, there's that game Halo Amir was talking about, he said this is the only game that is on the system, so I grabbed it. And my buddy came over, we blazed, we blazed up, we were in the 11th grade, and we uh, booted up Tony Hawk 2X, and we played it, and we liked it. We hated the controller, though. Both of us hated the controller. Playing Tony Hawk on that original Duke controller was not nice. The white button and the black button, like, how do you, like, that was, that was like spinning. Uh, you know, the, it, it, the buttons were all just messed up. Eventually, uh, he was like, oh, I'm going to head out. And I was like, all right, man, take care. We played for like two hours, three hours. And then he was like, oh, before I go, show me that other game. So I was like, okay. Now, this is when I decided that I wanted to game. As much as Metal Gear had such an impact on me, it really did. This was like the sequel to that impact. This is where I was like, I want to play games always. I want to always play games. And it was, I took that controller, I took that copy of Halo, and I put it in the system, and I booted it up. And, and, and to almost like the Sega, it was the choir of monks. And I'm there, and like, me and my buddy are so blazed. And my buddy's not even a big gamer. And he comes and he sits back down next to me, and he goes, Is this the sickest game ever? And I just, you know, start up a campaign. Started up normal, easy, boom, go. Cutscene plays. What is happening? What is the halo? What is this ring? What is everything? Why do I feel like I'm jumping into the middle of a story? Which you find out you were basically. There was books that existed before. But I was like, why do I feel like this universe exists and I don't know a damn thing? But they tell you straight up right at the beginning. They're like, release the super soldier, the master chief. And they break you out of cryo. You were frozen. So, you know, the main character is as clueless as I am. The game starts off very boring. It's like, walk over here. Look up. Look down. Look left. Look right. Is that good? Do you want us to do it again? Or are you happy the way it is? And it's like, wait, do you wait? I'm confused. And wait, do I like looking up and down like this? Or down and up like this? See, a lot of people are inverted in terms of their control on console, and that's because GoldenEye was naturally inverted controls. So everyone who played a first-person shooter on console grew up playing inverted. I went between console and PC a little bit, so I just put it to normal, because I thought up should be up, down should be down. 
I don't know. I thought it was like kind of like a goofy start. It was like being like a little slow. I wasn't sure if it was cool, but it was first person. I didn't know it was a first person game. And like I said before, I liked Counter-Strike, Half-Life, Doom, Quake. But I just never had a computer. Now I'm playing it on a good computer, a console. And, you know, my buddy's like, so what, when are you going to start killing people? And that's when the door breaks open in Halo 1. And those guys die. And the, the number one biggest thing, best thing about Halo, and I'll, I'll say this, the best thing about Halo, the music. And like, as soon as that door opens, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it like that, ba-boom, 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 comes in. And like, there's explosions and you're just running through this ship. My buddy next to me takes his jacket off. He's like, yo, let's go into this game tonight. I'm like, let's do it. I didn't even, we didn't even know there was a co-op until I got to the third level. Switching controllers, we found out there was a co-op. We're playing split-screen, first-person shooter, coming from a guy who's loved... I played Quake, Duke Nukem, Doom, all of them. My computers always ran the game so poorly. Coming from a kid that was born in 1985 and loved video games and always, like, my PC life was gaming and shooting and my console life was completely different, Metal Gear Solid... I finally found that middle ground where it was like a movie, like its own movie. And it was like, it was first person shooter and it was running as smooth as like the sickest computer out there. These graphics, graphics looked better than computers. This was incredible. This is what I wanted. And then you get to the second level and boom, the whole thing blows open. You're outside. What? Open world? It's like... The only other time I ever played open world was like GTA, maybe maybe Metal Gear 2 on the shell, but like this is like we're on a planet, not even a planet. It's a ring. Oh, look up. What? The ring. We're on the ring. I'm tripping balls right now. Like this weed is strong on my little 15-year-old, 16-year-old brain. And I'm so fired up and they drop a fucking warthog. I'm playing split screen with my buddy. They drop a warthog. I'm in the front seat. He gets in the back seat. Some crazy black NPC gets in the front seat and he's like, woo, punch it, Marine. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Did I just play the sickest game ever? And all I was thinking about was, you know what? I'm getting an Xbox. I'm getting an Xbox. I want an Xbox because I just want to play this game. I don't want to play this game over and over and over again. And I want to play it with every single friend I have. I want them to come one by one and sit right next to me and split screen co-op beat this entire game. I love Halo. I love it so much. It was the best game. It was so sick. Mind-blowing to me. Completely mind-blowing. The amount of things that I was learning months after the game came out, charging up the plasma pistol to take down the shields, shooting sticky grenades because they stick. Like People didn't Google that much back then. You Googled like cheat codes. You didn't Google tactics. You didn't Google, uh, you know, there was no like professional gaming scene. So there was no desire to find out the best way to do everything. You just figured it out. There was no rush to it. And Halo was just so incredible to me. I loved every moment, every second flying in a banshee, a scorpion tank. It, it kept, the game kept giving you gifts as you went along. And I was comfortable being like, I'm getting an Xbox and I'm only going to play Halo. I am happy with Halo, and it's a good thing because for about a year, like you didn't get anything on that system except Halo. And I was like, I'm going to school 
the next day and I'm going to tell that guy a mirror. I'm going to tell that son of a bitch. I'm going to be like, you know what? I played Xbox and I played Halo and it's better than anything I've ever played in my life. And I'm going to get an Xbox. I don't care if you have a million choices for your PlayStation. I'm happy with my Halo. And I went right up to a mirror the next day at school. And I said that to him. You know what he said to me? He said, I already bought an Xbox with four controllers. We beat Halo this weekend. And I was like, damn, boy. Eventually, Amir came to my house. And uh, a lot of my friends back then in high school weren't friends with Amir. And I wasn't friends with Amir at the time. But he liked, he liked gaming and Halo. And I was like, uh, why don't you come to my house? Let's play Halo together. And he said, uh, okay, I'll come. I'm bringing my friend Andrew and Sterling. Sterling is actually stat on YouTube. Sterling is who I created Epic Mealtime with. And I gotta say it, on that day, Amir came over and he brought his friend Sterling. He brought his friend Andrew. And um, we played Halo all night. And I became good friends with those guys. And if that night didn't happen, and if that didn't occur, if Halo didn't come out and I didn't love it as much as I did and I didn't invite people over to play as much as I did and I didn't reach out and make friends with a guy that I wasn't friends with in the 11th grade to come over and play Halo, my life wouldn't be what it is today. I wouldn't have this life. I wouldn't be, I would be doing something else. Who knows, maybe if it's in the in, in entertainment space or not, but this level of success, it would have been different. Because of Halo, I made friends with Amir and Sterling, and we started Epic Mealtime. And it's funny to think that that started from a game night of playing Halo, and it really did. Like, Halo really was the birth of Epic Mealtime. It's how it came to be, because I became friends with those guys after that. And, you know, fast forward eight years or so, and we're filming the first epic meal. You know, it's kind of funny. It's uh, a little, a little, a little, a little sad. But you know, things have cleared up now, and I'm on good terms with Sterling, and he's on good terms with me. But there was a point there where we had a falling out, and Sterling and I played Halo One, Halo Two, Halo Three. You know, always with the mirror and stuff like that. But I mean, don't tell the mirror this. But Sterling and I were much better at the game than he was, <laughs> and. Uh, we always played Halo together. And even if it was a big team battle or whatever, we rolled together. Like I was driving or he was driving, like we tried to stick together. And there's just this one funny moment. It was uh, after Epic Mealtime existed, Sterling and I had a falling out and it, it was very ugly. It was a very ugly experience. And uh, you know, it's, apparently it's a frequent experience amongst friends and business together, so be cautious. Um, but we had uh, not spoken for almost two years. And I think it was Halo 4 that came out. Or Halo Reach. I'm not sure which one came out. But we had played every Halo together. And now this was the first Halo that came out where our friend circle was broken up. And I'll never forget like booting up that game. Multiplayer. 8 on 8. And the whole 8 of us was, you know, me, Amir... Andrew, my cousin, uh, uh, Bunty King, Anand, Bunty King, 
and uh, Sterling. And so it was all our friends. And we had a, our friends had a weird divide, you know, of those with Epic Meal Time slash against Epic Meal Time or friends with me or friends with Sterling or who was friends first, you know. Amir was probably the only person that was in the middle of it all that was just, you know, completely split friends with everyone. Uh, but it was awkward. No one was talking on the microphone at the beginning of the game. It was weird. It was kind of like because someone sent an invite out to all of us, maybe Amir, and I showed up in there. And Sterling showed up in there. And then once everyone saw that he and I were in the same room at the same time, it was weird. It was awkward. And it was quiet. And then the game booted up. And it was eight on eight. And I ran right to the Warthog. And I hopped in the driver's seat like, let's fucking punch it. And a Spartan hopped on the back on the gunner. And I pulled away towards the enemy base. And that's when I got about like, 50 meters away from the teammates and realized that I was driving and Sterling was on the gunner. And we didn't say a word to each other. We hated each other. We actually did. We full on hated each other. And we didn't say a word to each other. And we ripped around that map and it was the flak, it was the flak cannon turret. So it was over overpowered. And we were just ripping people up. And it was like, it was just, it was so funny because it was like this game, like, like made made our lives, and and then we were apart, and we would never get in a car together. We would never work together. We would never talk to each other. But you spawn, and you're both wearing red, and those other boys are wearing blue. You push aside all your differences, and you get in that damn warthog. And you fly to the other team's base. And you light them up. And that's what we did. And it was just so funny. Because I remember like everyone was quiet. But once like the killing spree was coming up. The running riot was coming up. Everyone's talking again. People are laughing. You know, although uh, Sterling and I never directly spoke in that game at each other. We were both talking. And talking with our teammates. And if we ended up in the same Warthog, we ended up in the same Warthog. We ended up going on a running riot. It was hilarious. It was like my first time and his first time, our first time t- speaking to each other or connecting in any way outside of a courtroom was on the back of that warthog. And so, I mean, if you ask me like what my favorite game is, I, I put Halo up there. You know, Metal Gear Solid is so important also. Resident Evil, because of Resident Evil 4, I love these games. But Halo was just such a, particular time in my life and it was like that time in your life where you're like the most skilled you could be at a game and you also have the least amount of responsibilities but you're the most adult that you'd be and you have the most free time that you could have and that just landed for Halo Combat Evolved for me and like I said because of that game I ended up making friends with the guys that we started Epic Meal Time and then when shit hit the fan years later and we weren't talking. The only thing that made us communicate was getting on that Warthog together and going up against the blue team. I think that's one of my favorite memories in gaming, the, the Warthog moment. Also, you know, just the beginning of Halo 1, sitting on my couch, my buddy Matt there. So special. Special experience. This type of heavy gaming experiences that I remember vividly and I have so many of them. And that's just gaming, you know? Not even the fact that, like, 
how I feel about Star Wars and stuff like that and just some heavy, heavy gaming memories. I look forward to doing this podcast every week with you guys. I look forward to talking and breaking things down and and, and theorizing things and, and, and saying, you know, what, wouldn't it be cool if, and then going off on that sentence. And although this first one is just me, I expect to have guests for the future episodes. You know, people like Amir, you know, uh, friends of mine that I've gamed with, uh, other YouTubers that you might be familiar with or, or game developers, stuff like that. I look forward to having them on this show. The Fanboy Podcast with Harley Morenstein. And I plan on bringing you guys awesome, awesome stuff. And and I know a lot of people say this just because they say it. But I genuinely look forward to hearing back from you guys. My my Twitter is at HarleyPlace. If you just tweet at me, I listen to it. I'll know you're talking about this first episode of the podcast. I'll know you were there. And I look forward to having a dialogue with people like you. Moving forward on all types of stuff. All types of gaming things. And this is a big time for gaming right now. Uh, This is a big time for Star Wars. Uh, Anime is mainstream. Wrestling and anime are are identical. And I would love to break that down for you. And I will. What I'm looking for in this podcast is just the same thing you guys are looking for in this podcast. A solid opinion. A solid perspective. From someone that ideally you like listening to. I don't have a sign-off for the podcast yet. Uh, this is my first time ever doing a podcast by myself. My friends and I are into the same things, and I look forward to connecting with these stuff weekly with you guys on all of these topics. Thank you for listening to the Fanboy Podcast with Harley Morstein, and I hope to catch you again next week, brother. 